Hi everybody, my name is Landon Arenas. Thanks for listening to episode 136 of the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. Welcome to the Vortex Apologetic, where substance reigns over mindless entertainment. Because biblical truth matters in a profound, timely, and urgent way in a lost and dying world. And now, introducing your humble servants in Jesus Christ, Ricardo, a.k.a. B. Arenas, and Jeff, the Brain, Claiborne. Father, thank you for this time that we could spend on this podcast. I pray that you would guide its content, give Beef and I wisdom and discernment, and help us to speak according to your graces, your will, within the the boundaries of the Holy Spirit. Forgive us for our trespasses, Father. Help us to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. And the subject that we hit today in this podcast, I just pray that we would do it justice and that you would guide us. Thank you, Father, and in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, uh, another week. Another week, my brother. <laughs> and a whole bunch of stuff happening. There's always something happening. <laughs> Every week is something, uh, something else happening, right? Yep. Yeah, they got the, they got the, uh, the <coughs> audits. Uh, they finished the audit in Arizona. Yeah. So, what you think? I, th- I think it's going to be a bombshell when they reveal what they found. Yeah. You think, I mean, you think changes will take place? Like drastic changes? Well, I think, that, I think they will decertify their, their state, yeah. Mm. Yeah, now Georgia's in play. Pennsylvania is also starting up. Uh-huh. Georgia's starting their audits. Pennsylvania's looking at some things. So the states are beginning to, to drop... Like dominoes, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it's you know it's a process. You got to get through the process. And there's only there's only four ways to get rid of a legitimate president. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that would be um, if they resign voluntarily. Mm-hmm. If they're impeached. Mm-hmm. If they're deemed to be incompetent per the Twenty Fifth Amendment, like. There's a medical issue, or they're uh, they have mental capacity problems because of disease, something like that. Mm-hmm. They could be taken out by the Twenty Fifth Amendment, or God forbid, if they pass away, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's the four I remember from the Constitution. <clears throat> Once the election has been certified, it's been certified. But here's the problem. Uh, what if the certification was illegitimate? Hmm. I think this this could be a test case. Yeah. Now there's there is uh, rumblings that there was 
Seven different countries that interfered with our election. Seven countries, oh my gosh. Yeah. And there was a, that spy that, that uh, defected from China. Uh-huh. And he came in during, actually during the Trump administration mm. with multiple terabytes of information yeah. that he gave to, uh, I think, the NSA and the, the, the Defense Intelligence Agency. Didn't give everything to the FBI and the CIA because, you know, they didn't trust the FBI or the CIA. Of and course. rightly so, those two organizations are not trustworthy. But apparently he's named names and has the goods on every. And remember when Trump said, we've got them all. Mm-hmm. We got, we got everybody. We got them all. I think he was the source, mm. a Chinese spy. Yeah. With his documents that he gave them, terabytes of document. Yeah. And then we have the whole Epstein situation where the founder of um, that software company that protects uh, computers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. McAfee. McAfee, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now he said, if I end up committing suicide like Epstein, he said, I didn't. In other words, they murdered me. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. because he started uh, exposing the deep state in some statements. And so he set up a system, I can't remember what it's called, but there's a name for it, but he set up a system that if something were to happen to him, terabytes of information that he had would be released. Mm. Well, guess what's starting to happen? He, they killed him, right? He, he's yeah, dead. He did. They mm-hmm. said he was he committed suicide. Yeah. Terabytes of information are starting to show up in certain places, and they believe he was the source. Wow. He actually he either wrote to somebody or who uh, that said, and I think that individual person came out saying that. If there was ever a report of me committing suicide, right, and, and just know that no, it I wasn't. Didn't. It I didn't. It wasn't myself. Somebody else did it. Right. Even yeah. he got the tattoo on his arm saying "swat." Yeah, which means <laughs> exactly. whacked, right? Like right. It was an Epstein thing. Like I yeah. was like the Epstein me. Right. 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 So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, these things, man! A lot so, more than meets the eye. We don't know what's going on, but. You know, so it's going of. to be interesting. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of revealing uh, between now and then the year. Uh, a lot of people talking about August. Uh, well, the thing about August is that that's when uh, we'll find out what's happened with the Arizona. Yeah. Um, the the uh, audit. Yeah, that's going to and, be huge. And just to explain to folks, some people don't know the difference between an audit and a recount. Yeah. Now, recount, you just go back and recount the same corrupted ballots all over again. It's just a count. An audit, sifts, it, it, it verifies each and every ballot mm. before counting the ballot Yeah. to determine if the ballot is legitimate or not. That's what an audit does versus a recount that just counts them. Yeah, right. And so the audit... Uh, from what I understand, uh, eliminated a whole bunch of ballots because a bunch of them were 
were fake. Mm. Um, right. You know, corrupt, right? Yeah. A lot of corruption. So, so it should be eventful over the rest of the year to see what's going to happen with all of that. <coughs> Interesting stuff. Now, some are saying Trump's going. You know, they were saying Trump would return by uh, his birthday in July, right? And, eh, I don't know. Then they're saying by August, and then they're, you know, yeah. you know what? <clears throat> if he is already president of the republic, because remember mm-hmm. he is signing um, retirement letters to military personnel as the current president of the United States. And it's interesting because uh, this is just all evidence, folks. You guys, you folks can do what you want with this evidence and figure it out for yourself. But it's interesting that uh, Iran didn't want anything to do with Biden. And now, um, I think it was North Korea basically told Biden to, to, to go, go away. They didn't <laughs> want to talk with him, you know. And it seems that country after country is just kind of sh- snubbing the Biden administration. Yeah. And I know I, I just have this inkling that they're privately on the phone to Trump. Yeah, right. <laughs> and talking with Trump and going, hey, we'll talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll negotiate with you. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they know what's going on. They know who the real and legitimate president is. And here's the thing. How can a president be effective if the entire world has turned against him? Mm. Not only the people of this nation saying, we don't recognize you as a president. We don't want anything to do with you. (laughs) In addition to other countries, they're going, we don't recognize you as president president of the United States. We don't want anything to do with you. The, the only ones Amazing. that are having anything to do with them are the globalists. And even they are kind of kind of rolling their eyes. Like when he went to the uh, uh, G7. Yeah, the summit. He, uh, he made a fool of himself, if that was really Biden. If, was that Biden or an actor playing Biden? Who knows? <laughs> you know, who knows what that's all about? But, I mean, there's all kinds of theories out there. Yeah. <laughs> but, but at any rate. Uh, there, there was a funny... Post that somebody posted, and it was like something like, "How well do you know your president?" And then one of the questions was, "Name three Biden complete sentences." <laughs> oh, good night. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> oh my goodness. Till this date, I at least the speeches he's given that I've tried watching. I don't think I've gotten a full sentence that made sense, <laughs> or that it was from beginning to end, you know, and you, you understood what he was saying. There was always some fumbling going on. Yeah. Uh, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough to see uh, that old man uh, trying to um, well, I think the entire act nation, as a president, man. It's, yeah, I think it's the, tough. I think the entire nation, minus maybe a few people, um, is struggling through this because they're, yeah. you know, they're, it's tough for the entire nation to watch this go on. Yeah, it's you know? crazy it, stuff, bro. All we can do is continue to put our faith and trust in the Lord, you know, and st- mm-hmm. for us, stand up, man. Stand up for the truth and, you know, uh, question things. Always question things, yeah. right? Yeah. We can't just go with things that they, 
you know, we hear in the media, we know how bad the media is. So, I mean, I, that's changed too, you know, media in general. <coughs> Excuse me, what part of the population is now really believing what the media says? You know, it's all... People are starting to not believe them anymore. Oh, yeah. Well, now they're going to sources, like, you know, bitch shoot sources, you know, that are not through big media corporations yeah, following YouTube channels that, you know, have, you know, uh, true journalism going on and yeah. report on well, real... Well, Epoch Times. Epoch Times, I mean, yeah. Just, just the News, Populous Press, mm-hmm. uh, Zero Hedge, I can go down the list. Yeah. Cause and I a lot of them are, are, I mean, they're pretty neutral. Yeah, and I, I use them in my yeah. news uh, uh, broadcast uh, on, on BitChute, you know, when yeah. I do the news. I use those sources. I don't use the mainstream media. Yeah. And everyone, check out my brother's uh, BitChute channel uh, at uh, C Files. And that's C as in Claiborne. And uh, just C in Files, F I L E S. Fine, get your good news there and good commentary about my brother. So, kind of like the X-Files. Kind of like the X-Files, that's right. Yeah. Big uh, X-Files fan, so I thought that yeah. was pretty clever of him yeah. calling in C-Files. You clever, you. <laughs> Good stuff, bro. Hey, I got something for you. I don't know which. I got something for you. You got something for me? Yeah, okay. before we get on the, on the good stuff. Okay. All right? Here we go. I'll read this article, and I'm going to get your take on it. Tulsa Pastor gives reparations... To massacre survivors, calls on churches to take the lead. Here, I'll read you <coughs> Excuse me, a little bit of the article here. It says, Transformation Church Pastor Michael Todd in Bixby, Oklahoma, called on churches across America to take the lead on the issue of reparations as he, repre- as he presented $200,000 checks to each of the only living survivors of the Tulsa Race Massacre during a moving serving on Sunday. And I believe this was a Sunday ago. The Tulsa Race Massacre, according to History.com, occurred over 18 hours from May 31st to June 1st, 1921. A white mob attacked residents, homes and businesses in the predominantly black Greenwood neighborhood of Tulsa, leaving hundreds dead and thousands homeless. It is one of the worst incidents of racial violence in the U.S. history. And actually caught a documentary on it. It's one of the less uh, like ever publicized or ever made known to the public or major importance massacres that took place. Name the name of the massacre again. It's called the the Tulsa Race Massacre. Tulsa Race Massacre. Yeah, if you have to really dig it, dig into it to find it, it was pretty bad. I mean, it was of that the, sounds bad. Yeah, it it was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it was a real thing that happened. Nineteen twenty-one. That wasn't that long ago. No, nineteen twenty-one. Uh, and then you, you know, have to really, like I said, dig into you know history or at least articles that you can see you find that talk about it and give you details of exactly what I'm happened. I say it wasn't that long ago. It's a hundred years ago. As I, as well, I yeah, it's hundred you know. years ago. I mean, but well, I, I mean, mean, to me, it wasn't. I mean, literally, that was thirty-nine years before I was born. Mm-hmm. So to me, yeah. 1921 was not that long ago, you know. Right, makes sense. From from my early childhood. Right. But, yeah. 
So, um, yeah, so it's uh, one of the most, uh, one of the incidents of racial violence in U.S. history that wasn't reported a lot unless, you know, and even back then, you got the news through papers, maybe the radio, right? When the radio was available, we got some news there, but <clears throat> it wasn't reported throughout history as one of the worst uh, <clears throat> uh, racial violence that ever happened. So, this, uh, let me quote here, this pastor says, Reparation is not a political word. Reparation is not a word that your left-wing friends or your right-wing friends have coined, Todd said. Let me give you the definition of reparations. The action of repairing something that was devastated. Reparations mean that somebody is going to take up the mantle and actually put into action the process of repairing something that was destroyed. He then quoted Joel 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 25, which says, And I will restore to you the years that the locust had eaten, and the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Which, by the way, just... It was taken out of context. <laughs> I was about to say, that's a total disconnect. It's butcher, bro. Yeah. He stressed that God will bring reparations and said God told him. That, that's a big for us. That's a big God told him is quotations yeah. there. Uh, I would worry about that. Yeah, was, that the controversial process must start in the church. And since he is a part of the church, Todd said he has to be a part of the reparation process. Reparations is not coming from them, he said, referring to the government. I told the team, I said, find me every living survivor that survived this Tulsa race massacre. And they began to search, and I said the most, and I said the most devastating thing that was stolen from people were their homes. And I said, how in the world do you rebuild when you go to sleep on a Thursday or, and on, on, on a Friday? All your memories, all your life savings, everything that you build your life for is in rubble in front of you. And you got to go to the fairgrounds and stay on cots and try to rebuild your life from ashes. He asked, I read in the Bible where it says God is the only one that gives beauty from ashes. Todd then announced the presence of all three of the living survivors of the Tulsa race massacre Viola Fletcher, 107 years old, Hughes Van Ellis, 100 years old, and Leslie Randall, 106 years old. Wow, to live that, that long, brother. That's a long time. <clears throat> That's a long time nowadays, right? Mm -hmm. Thank you for living a life that survives the devastation, Todd said. Thank you for appearing before Congress. Thank you. I'm a young black man who took over a church from a white man. <laughs> who built it in North Tulsa. That couldn't have happened if you all didn't survive. Today, we can't restore everything that has been stolen from you, but today we can put a seed in the ground, he told the survivors. He said his church decided on giving the survivors $200,000. $200,000, brother. Each. Now, each. Okay, I was each, about to ask if that was a yeah, combination. Each. Of after researching the median price of a house in Tulsa. It's reparation season and change starts in the church, he declared to cheers. Transformation Church gave away a total of one million to the massacre survivors and nonprofit organizations Sunday. This includes a $100,000 check to Agent Johnson, owner of Oasis Fresh Market, which provides fresh fruits and other groceries to an undeserved community. 
The church also donated fifty thousand to the Terrence Crutcher Foundation, fifty thousand to Build in Tulsa, hundred thousand to One Race Movement, and one hundred thousand to Greenwood Cultural Center. So upon that, my brother, what says you? <laughs> I want to hear your take on this. I like the way you say that. What says you? What says you, my brother? Um, Are we to? Uh, should we go talk to our pastors and you know start telling them, hey, bro? We need to find some survivors of uh, devastation, you know, race devastation, and, uh, you know, put on, uh, you know, maybe we can't do 200,000, but about 10,000. And we give it away on a Sunday our, service. How our about church that? can't afford a penny. Are you kidding? Our church is struggling. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any money. Yeah. On a <laughs> Sunday anyway, morning, yep. you know, instead of preaching the gospel, let, let's do some reparations. Yeah. How does that sound? We don't have any money. <laughs> We're broke. <laughs> We're trying to survive. Uh, um, <laughs> I have mixed mixed thoughts on that one. Uh, number one, I don't. It, it's not a true reparation, and here's why: based upon the definition that they gave mm-hmm. of reparation. Did you hear it, or do you want me to read it again? Uh, you can read it for the audience. Okay. So Here, can. let me go back and read it for yeah, the audience. Based upon this definition that you're about to read. Oh, it's sorry. not a true rep- reparation, and I'll tell you why in a moment. If you can find it. Yeah, uh, let me just scroll down. I, <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll, my I'll, I'll, big I'll go ahead. finger. And the reason is because uh, the people who committed the act against those folks mm-hmm. should have paid the money in reparation. Yeah. That would have been true reparation, and that's even based upon the definition that they gave. Yeah. Of reparations. So here, let me give you what he said about reparation. Right. Uh, this young man, Todd, says, Reparation is not a political word. Reparation is not a word that your left-wing friends or your right-wing friends have coined. Let me give you the definition of reparations. The action of repairing something that was devastated. Reparations mean that somebody's going to take up the mantle and actually put into action the process of repairing something that was destroyed. Okay, so he's inaccurate to a certain degree there. Mm-hmm. It is a restoration, right. as he stated, that is correct, but it's not someone. Mm-hmm. It's the persons or people who committed the act against the other person. That's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Biblically, that's where it comes from. When you look at how reparation is done in the Bible, and it's not termed by the word reparation. Right. But the concept is there. Mm -hmm. It's that the person who committed the act against the other person is the one that pays that debt. Right. If they steal something from someone, they are to return it threefold. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. So if he stole ten dollars, the reparation from the person who stole who stole the ten dollars back to the person he stole it from would be thirty dollars. Mm-hmm. Ten dollars plus the the twenty more. Mm-hmm. That's a biblical reparation. When three generations pass, mm-hmm. And you go to people who had nothing, absolutely nothing to do with that massacre, which is horrific, by the way. Mm -hmm. And shame on whoever did that. That's that's horrific and horrible and it should have never happened. Um, 
and you, but you're going to people who had nothing to do with it, and they've decided as a group to be a blessing to those who were victims of it, mm-hmm. and to say we're going to help these folks out because we don't. It's disturbing to us that this occurred. Yeah, that's not. You don't call that reparation. That's not reparation. That's just people wanting to be a blessing to the people who suffered the hardship mm-hmm. right, or suffered the attack. So that to use the term reformation in what that church did is to miss... Oh, you mean reparation? Yeah, it's to mishandle the term Yeah, because that's not reparations. Yeah. Now, the fact that it was done in a church setting... You know, and I believe it was church service that was done. What's your thoughts on that? Is this something that should be made public like no, this? No, it should not be mandated. During a church service, right? It should not be mandated of churches, no. Right. Uh, but that's, that sounds like a voluntary thing that they did. Right. And if, that's some, if they had that kind of money in their church and that's something they wanted to do as a congregation then that's something they can do as a congregation. Now, keeping in mind that that is God's money. Yeah. And so they, they, they're supposed to be a good steward of God's money. Mm-hmm. So the question is, isn't, uh, you know, were these people wronged and was this thing that happened to them evil and wrong and... Yeah. No, that's not the question. We that's a given. We know that's the case. Mm-hmm. The question is, was that money well spent for the advancement of the kingdom of Christ? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In accordance to what God wants churches to do, mm-hmm. was that money spent in the manner that God would would uh, approve of? Right. Right? Um, now, obviously, that church would say, yes, it was. Others yeah. might say, eh, I don't think so. You know? Because that's God's money mm-hmm. that was given to the church for the purpose of advancing the gospel, advancing the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. advancing uh, biblical truth. Assuming that church has anything to do with <laughs> biblical truth, <laughs> well, you know. By the way, uh, the uh, context, was, uh, you know, the context of some of the scriptures he quoted. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, got, I got the beef on that one, folks. Oh, because uh, you know we gotta but, get biblical, yeah. biblical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I know we're we're kind of doubting that they have anything to do with biblical truth, but. In reality, that's what churches are supposed to do with the money. Yeah, yeah. They're supposed to be good stewards of it before mm-hmm. God. Right. It's not for the purpose of enriching victims. Yeah. Now, if you have a... Tr- here's a, here's a, a different scenario, though. Okay. If you have a church member that suffers, oh, let's say, this domestic violence or something like that, and they've... Been physically and emotionally injured, mm. and they're a member of the church. Yeah, yeah. And they need help, and the church says we need to help this individual, uh, and we need to take the action that we need to do to make sure that their their life is 
not in danger. Mm. We need to help help them with their physical, emotional injuries because yeah. you know they don't have the money to, to take care of this. Uh, so we're going to give money to this individual to help them so yeah. that you know so that they can recover from this. And there, and these are believers in the church. You know, this is a mm-hmm. church member. That would be a good use of God's money. That would be good stu- stewardship. Right. So it's not forbidden that a church would be a blessing to folks. But to use it as a virtue signaling political statement. Yeah. Oh, we're doing reparations. Uh, yeah. No, that's a lie. <laughs> You're not doing reparations. That's not reparations. Yeah. That's okay. not true biblical reparations. Mm-hmm. So... It's just, it sounds to me, and, and, you know, 100 and something years old, I mean, it sounds to me like it was virtue signaling political fodder. And that's how I I took it, because to me, brother, and you know know how we feel about church gathering. It's all about God. It's all about Christ, Mm -hmm. the believers gathering on a church building, so that we can proclaim through hymns and singing with the rest of the body praises to God. You know, I mean, we got believers that are coming that have had rough weeks, and that's the time we can spend in the Lord and be ready to receive God's word preached to us so that we can continue walking in faith the rest of the next week, right? But to me, like you said, I took it as virtue signaling, like using the church setting where you would be preaching the gospel to the congregation. To, oh, look at us. Yeah, we should be doing reparations as a church. You know, the Bible says, let me take this one out of context and put my own thoughts into it because I think this is what reparations means. You know, kind of that type of setting instead of, wait a minute, maybe you should have done it in quiet. Bless those people that you wanted to bless. You have the money, praise the Lord. You're a good store of the church's money. Bless them. And announce it just in a letter, a newsletter, or something. Well, Instead of taking the time, you know, to announce it to the congregation that this is what the elders want yeah, to do, right? And anyone who wants to participate in it can can be a blessing to these folks. I mean, that's a normal thing that churches would do, and that's, yeah. that's normal. But to, and another point that you made clear is like, you know, how about the other needy ones in a church? You know, right. Yes, these folks suffered a, a great devastation when they lost their homes. And, you know, it's 100 years, you know, for them it's probably, what, 80 years ago maybe, you know, mm-hmm. that it happened. Right. They're still alive, so obviously God blessed them in a way, I mean, to still be alive, have mm-hmm. a home now. So how different is that from the individuals in your church that are still suffering, that need money to get by, or that need help, or... Don't they get also, hey, by the way, we bless so-and-so this week because... No, they're squeezed of their money to pay for the so-called reparations. <laughs> so. It, it's virtue saving. <coughs> and yeah. and 600000 you can just sit and write a check out for a total well, of Well, not only that, a meal in total because they gave, you know, 100000 a couple 50000 to other, it seems like, a store, a non-profit organization, or a couple of them. You know, so it's like, okay. More than 600. <laughs> yeah. So it was a million altogether. A million dollars. A million dollars. And they just wrote the checks out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Most, see, they're not living in reality. Most churches aren't like that. They don't have money like that. No. 
Oh. You would bankrupt over 90% of the churches in America if you demanded that of them. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. They, they wouldn't be able to meet the next Sunday. They'd be totally broke. They'd be, they wouldn't be able to function. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what'd you think of uh, his comment, brother? Uh, let me find it. Uh, uh, okay. All right, here. I'm a young black man who took over a church from the white devil, a white man. Wait, he said white devil? No, I, I added that. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, you know, you're white. You, you're the devil right nowadays, right? By, according yeah. to According to, yeah, critical race theory, you're the devil. Yeah. But the fact that he said, I'm a young black man who took over a church from a white man who built it in North Tulsa. I mean, what are you trying to say, man? <laughs> well, we know what he's saying. You know? It's yeah. like, why would you even make that comment? Because he thinks so, that's, he thinks that's virtuous. Yeah. So it's like you said, that's virtue signaling right there. Right. And that's that's uh that's all its own form of um I don't want to say reparation, it's a own form of uh quota. Yeah. Right? Like what they try to do in the schools where um you know, we need to uh, lessen the number of whites that are accepted into university and increase yeah. the number oh, yeah. of blacks. Increase the number of Hispanics, this, that, that type of thing. Have quotas. That's a quota thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, <laughs> well, you know what? If you're going to if you're going to pastor the church, fine. Just be competent in the scriptures. Yeah. The, the verse that he quoted was completely out of left field. <laughs> the complete disconnect to what he was talking about. God telling Israel, I'm going to restore you, has absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with reparations. By the way, folks, yeah. that was Joel 2.25. And yeah. I will restore you, restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you. That's God doing it. <laughs> and God doing it to the people of his choice. That's true. Right? Mm -hmm. That's not God telling us to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't take that and translate it into a you know 21st century Gentile church. <laughs> I mean, that's just, I mean, how do you even? You got to build a bridge, uh, the size of the one that stretches across the Key West in Florida. Oh, yeah. to, to make that's that true. connection. Okay? And, that, and that's a really long bridge. That is a long bridge. <laughs> seen video of it, yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, there is a, there is, they're not even in the same category <laughs> between that verse and what he was saying. Oh, man. He doesn't know his scriptures. Yeah. He doesn't understand his Bible. No. Or he's just using it as a con man. Yep, yep, that's true. Oh, you That's can't true. say that. He's a black pastor. Oh, well, I'll say whatever the heck I want. I don't care if he's black, I don't, brown, I, yellow. I don't care what pink, color. You know it. Is. Yep. I don't care if he's pink with purple polka dots. He's still a con man if he's using that verse to teach reparations. <laughs> <coughs> oh my goodness! Uh, who can, you know, people think that uh, uh, you know what? Anybody who thinks they're going to come up to you or me. And try to shame us with their CRT lingo? You got something else coming. 
You gotta buy up more than you can chew. You you gotta you gotta you gotta be poking a lion, and then you're gonna get mauled. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, <laughs> you know. <whew. laughs> oh, that is true. That is true. Just yeah, y'all just... saying that in Christian love, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So there you have it, folks. When you read of these things or hear of these churches. Man, think and always, first of all, always double check the context of, uh, you know, that they're using on the scripture they're reading. Go look at the original writing. See what it says. See exactly what God was doing at that time. And then apply it the proper way. (laughs) Don't just run with it. And if it doesn't fit, it doesn't belong to us. (laughs) This generation, right? Yep. <laughs> so, thank you, brother. Appreciate that um, uh, for that. I wanted to bring that up because I know that was good. That was something good to go over with, that especially really in this good time. Because I think people are really confused about reparations. Yeah, most definitely. They don't understand the biblical concept of it. Because no, they've been sure. taught a bunch of crap when it comes to that. Yeah, unfortunately, mm-hmm. there's a lot of yeah, bunch of crap like you said out there. Mm-hmm. Anyways, let's get into the nitty-gritty of things right here. Okay. You wanted to talk, uh, you know, we have a series that we started here. I, uh, on that, not, 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 not. I'll, n- I'll no, hold the uh, books uh, up and you tell the folks right. what I've been studying. So, this, so right. I'll, I'll hold up the, I got books, I'm surrounded by books right now. <laughs> yes, he is. He's in this a recliner, one? folks. Ooh, the Gnostics. The Gnostics. And then, the... Nagamadi Library. That's the supposed lost books of the Bible everybody keeps talking about, folks. The Gnostics, they call them, right? Right. It's not the lost books of the Bible. It's the definitive new translation of the Gnostic scriptures. They're Gnostic books. Mm-hmm. They're not lost books of the Bible. They were never lost. Just They were just rejected by the church. Yep. And... And... Anti Nassim Fathers. Nicene Fathers. And lastly, another Anti Nicene Fathers, uh, Apostolic Fathers, Justin Martyr. And I can't read the other one. So (coughs) So you're like knee deep into all this, huh? And of course, this one. Oh, that's that's the greatest (laughs) book ever written, Uh, inspired by God Himself. And yes. So, in the Apostolic, or I'm sorry, the Antoninus Fathers, I was looking at Tertullian. Tertullian, that's right. You mentioned that. Tertullian has a a really long section on heresies, talking Mm. about heresies. And then I I jumped from Tertullian over here to Arrhenius in the the Apostolic, I can't say it now, in the (laughs) uh, Apostolic Fathers. Now, Arrhenius... Little, it's my little, grandfather, my great 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 grandfather. See, my name is Arrhenius. Arrhenius, right? I, I don't know. Just <laughs> next thing you're gonna tell me is John the Baptist was your homeboy. <laughs> <laughs> See how this goes, folks? You get you can't trust nothing these days. Well, anyway, <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So anyway, uh, Arrhenius was a disciple of Polycarp. 
That's yep. They yeah, should tell folks that. everything mm-hmm. they need to know, unless they don't know who Polycarp is. And which Polycarp is probably the case. So Polycarp <laughs> was <laughs> Polycarp was a disciple of the Apostle John, as I recall. I mean, it was one of the apostles, but I'm pretty sure it was the Apostle John. Well, he was a well, yeah. It had to be him, right? Because right. wasn't he the one? Well, he's the one. He was like the last apostle, right? Alive when he yeah, yeah. wrote Revelation and yeah, yeah. So I think it was because I think I read somewhere that it says Polycarp was one of his, his students or disciple. Yeah, right. So John, the <coughs> apostle John, John the Revelator, John the Revelator, the apostle uh, of love. What yeah, I was saying too, yeah. right? Taught uh, Polycarp, and Polycarp taught Arrhenius. Mm-hmm. And Arrhenius wrote, 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 that wascally wabbit. That was that was the Elmer Fudd coming out of him. Uh, <laughs> he wrote uh, against heresies, and the first thing he talks about in there, and I'm I'm telling you, I'm, I'm refreshing myself with them because he's just phenomenal on this subject matter, is Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. And I've been studying Gnosticism part of the week. And the reason is because I have started to uh, decipher that some of the folks that are involved in the return of Trump movement or the MAGA movement mm. and the Q movement, right? Yeah. Some, some uh, interpreting Q or, <clears throat> or, or reporting what uh, people have re- interpreted of Q and so forth, that some of these folks are not true Christians. Yeah. <laughs> they are modern-day versions of Gnosticism. Mm-mm-mm. And it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a Gnosticism that is adapted to the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Now, the big question, what is Gnosticism? Mm, tell me, Rich, you, I got some definitions. You want me to read them, and you want to pick the one you like? <laughs> oh, you can go ahead and go over. Oh, you, if you have them, go for it. I um, mean, I have just. I don't have clinical definitions. Oh, okay, well, here, let me let me read I a couple of the ones in, I, I. I have what's in my uh, my cl- cluttered brain, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Gnosticism, pronounced nos to sism. I don't know why they put it like that, but that's the way they pronounce yeah. it. <laughs> was a second century religious movement claiming that salvation could be gained through a special form of secret knowledge. Early Christian church fathers such as Origen, Tertullian, Justin Martyr, and Eusebius of Caesarea condemned Gnostic teachers and beliefs as heretical. And he goes, uh, we go a little bit further here. It says, the term Gnosticism is derived from the Greek word gnosis, meaning to know or knowledge. This knowledge is not intellectual, but mythical, and comes through a special revelation by Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, or through his apostles. The secret knowledge reveals the key to salvation. So, do you want me to give, give you a little more? You tell me, brother. Uh, does it talk about what they believe in salvation? 
Well, beliefs of Gnosticism. How about this? Gnostic beliefs clash strongly with accepted Christian doctrine, causing early church leaders to be embroiled in heated debates over the issues. By the end of the second century, many Gnostics broke away or were expelled from the church. They formed alternative churches churches with belief systems deemed heretical by the Christian church, while many variations in beliefs existed among the different Gnostic sects. The following key elements were seen in most of them. And it says dualism is one of them. Yeah. Gnostics believe that the world was divided into the physical and the spiritual realms. Uh, I'll jump to the next one. God. Gnostics writings often describe God as incomprehensible and unknowable. The idea conflicts with Christianity's concept of a personal God who desires a relationship with human beings. Salvation. Gnosticism claims hidden knowledge as the basis for salvation. Adherents believe that secret revelation frees the divine spark within humans, allowing the human soul to return to the divine realm of excuse me, of light in which it belongs. Gnostics thus divided Christians into two categories, with one group being carnal, inferior, and the other being spiritual, superior. Let's see, Jesus. So what you just read there is key, but go, go ahead. <clears throat> yeah, okay. Uh, The next one is Jesus Christ. Gnostics were divided on their beliefs about Jesus Christ. One view held that he only appeared to have human form, but that he was actually spirit only. The other view contended that his divine spirit came upon his human body at baptism and departed before the crucifixion uh, Christianity. Oh, uh, crucifixion, sorry. Uh, Christianity, on the other hand, holds that Jesus was fully man and fully God, and that his human and divine natures were both present and necessary to provide a suitable sacrifice for humanity's sin. Uh, and that was it. Those are the points that... An easy way of understanding Gnosticism <clears throat> is, number one, uh-huh. secret knowledge. Yeah. Number two, spirit good, physical bad. Yeah, right. That's you get that, yeah. <laughs> okay, those two things, folks. It, 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 you have a, a fundamental concept of Gnosticism if if you understand those two things. Number one, secret knowledge. Number two, spirit good, physical bad. That's Gnosticism in a nutshell, mm-hmm. in the shortest definition, or not even definition, but ex- explanation, explanation that right. I could give. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to read a little bit of what Tertullian, mm. not Tertullian, I mean uh, Arrhenius, oh, Arrhenius that's right. had to say. And I'm going to explain this as much as I can along the way. <clears throat> now, this is going to shock some folks. Uh, actually, before I read this, I want, I want to do this so that we can get a context of why I'm reading this. There are certain prominent people on social media mainly video style, like YouTube video, although they get, you know, they get uh, suspended from YouTube a lot. Uh, <laughs> uh, mainly bit shoot and rumbles where they're located. But, um, but they're very popular. And um, they have Gnostic tendencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I've heard, I've heard them talk about... Uh, I well, Charlie Ward, for example, yeah. would say 
and, and I, by the way, folks, I, I don't dislike these people. It's, it's, I don't have any personal <clears throat> angst or hatred against them. Um, I'm just telling you what they have said. Okay, this is just kind of factual. Charlie Ward would say, um, what I, I didn't understand God or know God until I realized that he, uh, he's not up there, he's in here, and then they would point to his heart in here. Uh, and most people would think of, of Christians would think, oh, that's just, he's talking about Jesus being in his heart, right? Mm-hmm. Because he, he starts every video with Jesus loves you, right? Yeah, right. Now, folks, which Jesus? Hmm, that's right. The Gnostic Jesus or the Christian Jesus? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because they talk about a lot about, along with Simon Parks, uh, and I, there's others that are uh, Jason Q, others that you yeah. can go along with in, in these personalities. They talk a lot about ascending or ascension mm-hmm. to the next level, right? Yeah. Right. Christianity does not talk that way. Our ascension is redemption. Hmm. <clears throat> we have we have to go through redemption to be ascended. Mm-hmm. In other words. To become a new creature in Christ. That's right. But their t- terminology of ascension is right in that definition that you read, mm-hmm. where it talks about ascending to a higher plane. Yeah. Escaping the physical to ascend into the spiritual, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so when they're saying these things, folks, and if you watch their videos at all, when they're saying these things, this is Gnosticism, clear and simple. This is now <clears throat> they've modernized it because I've heard uh, I don't remember who it was. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice is I have to clear it. But uh, I remember one of one of these personalities saying that he believed that Jesus Christ was a shape shifting extraterrestrial alien. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's... And these these are people who like to put themselves in the theist kind of a Christian uh, worldview yeah. category. Right. Another one, uh, Jason Q actually stated that uh, in, in essence, mm-hmm. that the concept of sin was nothing more than a... Uh, a deception for the purpose of keeping us from escaping our physical prison into a higher spiritual plane. Hmm. It was uh, a means of us uh, viewing ourselves as being less than what we really are and stopping us from, uh, from ascending to a higher plane. So his theory is that uh, whoever... that, that the God who talks about sin in the Bible is the God that is trying to hold us down. Mm. So this Gnosticism is, in essence, what Satan was telling Eve in the garden. Yeah. God does know that if you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, yeah. you shall surely become as gods. Mm. Right. Yeah. In other words, you'll escape this. They they view there's a there's a version of it that views 
the Garden of Eden not as a Garden of Eden, but as a prison. Yeah. And that by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and this is kind of a Luciferian side, which I don't believe Charlie Ward or Simon Parks that they don't like Luciferians. They're not of that. Yeah. But Luciferians believe that <clears throat> that they escaped that prison. And some Gnostics believe it, but they're not of the blood cult, the Luciferian blood cult. Yeah. Uh, and by eating of the fruit of the tree. Because remember, they're all about secret knowledge. That secret knowledge, brother. The serpent offered Eve secret knowledge. Eve took that offer, <clears throat> ate of the tree, received that so-called secret knowledge, mm. and escaped the garden. This is their version. Escaped the garden. The prison, the trap that she was in. And Adam escaped the garden, the prison, the trap that he was in. Now, how can they say that about God? Well, because you have to understand the Gnostic God. And we'll hmm. read it to you. Okay. All right? All right. <clears throat> I hope this is clear to people because I was trying to explain this to, this to my wife earlier, and she was getting frustrated because it was... It was uh, it was complicated, convoluted, and, and confusing to her. Yeah, yeah. And she was saying, and her response is, "These pe those people are crazy." <laughs> <laughs> One thing I do know, they're crazy. <laughs> but here's um, here's I'm I'm kind of uh, and here's chapter one. Um, I've already gone this. I'm I'm shooting past part of what he's already said, going into the meat of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> They, these Gnostics, maintain then that in the invisible and effable heights above there exists a certain perfect pre-existent eon, A-E-O-N. So this term eon is big in Gnosticism. Yeah, yeah. Now, to the 21st century version of the eon, the new, the new Gnosticism, I would call it, okay. is extraterrestrial. What? <laughs> A higher being of, extra, of extraterrestrial origin. Okay, all right. And they refer to Jesus as an, extra, an extraterrestrial. extraterrestrial. E.T., yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> No, folks, I'm not kidding. <laughs> A certain perfect preexistent eon, whom they call Proarche, hmm. Propopter, and Bythus. Now, this Bythus, which is, I'm going to go with Bythus, those, of those three names, is described as being invisible and incomprehensible, eternal and unbegotten, he remained throughout innumerable cycles of ages in profound serenity and, and quiescence. Uh, uh, qu quiescence. Okay. Yeah. There existed along with him in knowing. Now, I wrote down the meanings of these names. Okay. Now, I couldn't find anything on Bythus as far as the meaning. I think they just came up with that name. But there's no meaning to it. It's just mm. he's he's the original incomprehensible, uh, eternal, you know, God, right? Yeah, the one right. that you were talking about. <clears throat> now, so I just term bite this as being eternal spirit. 
That's how I define bhaitas. Mm, okay. Now, inia is thought or intent. Okay? Okay. So, so when I say it, when I give that name, it's thought. So you could read it this way. Uh, there existed along with him, bhaitas, the mm-hmm. eternal spirit, inia or thought. So bhaitas had with him thought. Or the eternal spirit had with him thought. Mm, okay. So hopefully this is helping to understand Gnosticism a little bit. Whom they also call Charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, hmm. which means basically grace. Hmm. Thought and grace. Thought and grace, okay, right? true. Uh, and more of the meaning grace, kindness, one of the graces, right? Right. And then he goes on. So we have Bythus, the eternal spirit. We have Enya, thought. We have Sharis, grace, and Sig. It's S I G E. I'm imagining it's a, a, a long I. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sig, which means silent, <laughs> or think not talking. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We would we would yeah. associate that with pleading the fifth. Yeah. I'm I'm not saying anything. So Gnostics are big on secret knowledge. Mm-hmm. So you have knowledge, which is inna, and you have saig, which is silent, hmm. quiet knowledge, quiet silent knowledge, knowledge, okay. silent knowledge yeah, yeah. right? Secret knowledge. They're big on this. They're big on grace, sheris, grace, but they don't understand grace. Yeah. <clears throat> At last, this bythus, this eternal spirit, Determined to send forth from himself the beginning of all things and deposit this production which he had resolved to bring forth in his contemporary sig, which is silence, even as seed is deposited in the womb. In other words, this is, a, this is secretive to this eternal spirit alone. Right? Mm-hmm. She then... <clears throat> Saig being she. Uh, Saig is referred to, or silence is referred to as a she. She then, having received this seed, so he, he seeded Saig. So the eternal spirit seeded silence. <laughs> okay. Right? Uh, received this seed and becoming pregnant gave birth to Nos, N-O-U-S, mm. who was born similar and equal to him who had produced him and was alone capable of comprehending his father's greatness. All right, let me decipher all that for everybody. <laughs> Nos means knowledge. Yeah. Right? So the eternal spirit seated silence to produce knowledge. To put it in English. Okay. All right, now knowledge was, as described by the Gnostics, similar and equal to Pythus, or eternal spirit. Hmm. Right? To his father. Right? Right. All right. Do you see a problem with that definition? Or to him being equal? Yeah. And what? it's what? Do you know? 
can, can give me what your thoughts are. Just read it again. Or tell me that part again. So, uh, so, uh, so the eternal spirit, uh-huh. uh, seated or impregnated, silence, and silence birthed or gave birth to nos, which is knowledge, uh-huh. and knowledge is uh, unique in that knowledge is si- both similar and equal to Pythus, the eternal spirit, or Bith- to the, his father who impregnated him through his mother, which was silence. <laughs> All I can say in response to that, in the beginning was a word, and the word was a guy. <laughs> you know the rest. Yeah. Oh man! <laughs> so here's the logical disconnect, though. There is, you are. There is a logical disconnect. Uh, I do, but you go ahead. I'm not even going to try to undo that one. <laughs> so, bite this eternal spirit is eternal. Okay. Nos, who is supposed to be similar and equal to bite this, uh-huh. is a created being. Yes. Okay. Not, he's yeah. He's not eternal. Not eternal. That's right. So how can it be similar or equal to... When it was created. How can a created being be similar or even equal to... An eternal... An eternal being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not going to work. Doesn't make sense, does it? Nope, it sure doesn't. Uh, Gnosticism's in trouble already. So, I hope people aren't like totally their heads spinning. Like, what? Hey, if I was confused, just think about yeah, it. I'm trying to know. explain it as simple as I can. <laughs> No, it's about, it's about to get worse. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but you'll know about Gnosticism after this podcast. He'll um, be well-versed, right? <laughs> yeah. Similar and equal to him who had produced him. It was, okay, now, this Gnosis, or knowledge, which was the byproduct of the eternal spirit, which was called Bythus, and, the, and silence, which is called Saig, hmm. <laughs> So this knowledge, or nos, they called also monogenes. Why? Monogenes basically means unique in his category. So basically what it's saying is, is that knowledge, which was produced from the eternal spirit in silence, Mm -hmm. was unique in his own category. Mm. Okay, so in Gnosticism, he was equal to his father, right? And and you know uh, in how he was created, right? Which is illogical, and he was unique in his category. Why? Here's why they called Nos the, the, this Nos. They also called monogenes and father and the beginning of all things. So Nos was the beginning of all things, mm. not. Bythus, right. Bythus created Nos, who then began all things. So, in the beginning, to the Gnostics was the result of Nos, not of the God that came before him. Hmm. <laughs> Jeez. 
That's how they get you. They just confuse the heck out of you. Yeah. And in the end, you got no choice but to go, yeah, you're right. Okay. (laughs) People are like, oh, wow, this sounds really, uh, really deep. It sounds too intellectual, right? So it's like, I'm never going to bother with it. Yeah. Now, I'll continue. Arrhenius is so good with this. Along with, now, Arrhenius, Arrhenius, remember, he was second century, right when this, this, this came out. He was attacking it right at the foundation of it. Mm-hmm. Along with him was also produced Alethea. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's more. <laughs> Alethea basically means, is, is I'm going to go on my memory and then check myself. Alethea, because I'm trying to re- refresh in my brain on all this stuff, uh, means truth. Mm. As I recall, let me check. Yes, that's correct. Truth. So, Alethea means truth. Now, we're going to find Jesus in here, but we've got to go a little further. So, we have, now we have four, these four beings. We have Bythus, we have Sig, we have Nos, and we have Alethea. Hmm. So, we have the eternal spirit. We have silence, we have knowledge, and we have truth. Okay. All right? So hopefully that's clear. So along with him was produced truth, or aletheia, and these four, the number four is big in Gnosticism. It, and it, it's, it's a, they're big on numbers. And number four is very big with them. And these four constituted the first and first begotten uh, you ready for this? Mm. Pythagorean tetrad. <laughs> now, if you look up Pythagorean tetrad, guess what you get? Math. Don't tell me it's going to be the uh, Pythagorean... It's Pythagoras. Pythagoras. Oh, okay. Okay. All the right. mathematician. The, you get the Greek mathematician. Yeah. Right? The Pythagorean and, theory, right? The Pythagorean theory, right. Look at that. I got something uh, a little bit right. Man, I'm proud to brief beef right now, folks. The Pythagorean theory, it. yeah. He just nailed it. I knew that. I love Pythagorean math. I love math or... Uh, I, that's why oh, I okay, is that, that why? Yeah, yeah, well, they got it from the patho- Pythagorean, Pythagorean theory. theory. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, four is a big number. Right. right? And so, uh, so those four are uh, uh, they are they form the Pythagorean tetrad, right? Yeah. Or it's a mathematical type of uh, scenario. All right. So, and then he says this, and monogenes, which remember was Nos knowledge, who unique in his own category. That's monogenes, perceiving for what purpose. He had been produced, also himself sent forth Logos and Zoe. <laughs> oh, it gets worse. <laughs> oh my God. So Logos means word, obviously, uh-huh. you know, or the right. word or logic or you right. know, using language to reason. Yeah. And Zoe is, basically just means female. So you have word and female. Right. All right. What does John one one say? In the beginning was the word, and word was with God. Word was God. 
Yes. Ding, and ding, the, ding, ding. the Greek word there is logos. Logos. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, logos to the Gnostics was a neon, which today in modern Gnosticism would probably be an extraterrestrial. <laughs> E.T. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, folks. So, so anyway, uh, Monogenes, perceiving for what purpose he had been produced, also himself sent forth Logos and Zoe, being the father of all those who were to come after him, and the beginning and fashioning of the entire Pleroma, which means completeness. Hmm. In other words, Nos was the creator. Okay. Okay. Uh, by the conjunction of Logos and Zoe, conjunction means they're, they're joining together, were brought forth Anthropos and Ecclesia. Anthropos, mm. man. Ecclesia. Church. Well, Ecclesia, like right, Ecclesi- uh, uh, that's that's a word in Greek meaning church. Meaning church, right? right. Uh, but it has to do with um, the gathering of a group together for organization. Right. So just a gathering. Right. Okay. So basically, man and mankind, man and and uh, and the man and community, man. Yeah. And, so the gathering of right. mankind. And right. To, okay. This is man mm-hmm. and community gathering together. So this is the creation of man mm. and the creation of community. Now, think about this line of events here. Man can be traced, or this anthropos can be traced all the way back to Bythus and lineage. Mm. And so this is where they get this concept of, of man ascending to a higher spiritual order, that we are really spiritual beings, not physical beings, because we were created by uh, a creation of Nos, who was a creation of Bythus. So it's almost right? like what we call nowadays uh, the little gods. Right, the which little is, God, uh, theology, that which is basically what Satan was trying to feed to Eve, right, uh, in his in his you, uh, yeah. deception, right? Do you like to be like God? What <laughs> you can be as God, as you can God? be as yeah. because you know you mm-hmm. you go back to bite us. Mm-hmm. Satan is really the author of Gnosticism. Yeah, of course, he was the original Gnostic. Right. I figured that out when I was studying Genesis one day, uh-huh. and I was reading what what the, the serpent was saying to Eve, and all of a sudden I stopped in mid read and and looked up and went, Satan was a Gnostic. <laughs> You're like that clown. It just, it just the light bulb hit me. Yeah. It went on, and I went, wait a minute, Satan was the first Gnostic. He's the OG. You know, you know what the OG is, right? The, yeah, the original Gnostic. The old, ga- the old Gnostic. <laughs> the right? old Gnostic. The original Gnostic. The old gang member, but it's yeah. old Gnostic. The OG, yeah. So, <clears throat> for each of these is mas- masculo-feminine, whatever that means, uh, <laughs> a, kind of a masculine-feminine, Take it as you will, folks. Uh, This is Gnosticism, not me. As follows. Uh, Prepator, which is Bythus, the eternal spirit, right? Hmm. 
the original eternal spirit, uh, was united by a conjunction with the N.A. Now, do you remember what the N.A. was? was thought. Thought, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, so the original eternal, eternal spirit, he's doing a summary here. <clears throat> I, I, I've, I've dug a hole and i got to dig my way back out now. Uh, <laughs> going through all this. Oh I'm like this, brother. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I end up like that. He's holding the, he's holding the skeleton up to me. Yeah. This is eternal right here. Um, so, I lost where I was. Here we are. Uh, Papator, or, or Bythus, was hmm. united with a conjunction with his thought, or emne. Then monogenes, or knowledge, mm-hmm. which was unique, and that is nos, or knowledge, with athea, that is uh, thought. Okay. So knowledge with thought, word, logos, with zoe, uh, which is female. Female. Mm-hmm. And anthropos with ecclesia, uh, that is man with mankind. And he says, these eons, having been produced for the glory of the Father, which, the, which, who, which one is called Father? Not Bythus, the eternal spirit, but Nos, hmm. the one, his son that he produced. Nos is called Father. Father, okay. okay? So in, 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 uh, in this religion, uh, Gnosticism, okay. when they refer to the Father, or God the Father, or Godfather, they're referring to nos or knowledge. Right. Okay. Right. So they're really big on the knowledge thing. So to them, salvation is not knowledge is salvation. Right. Knowledge frees the spirit. Hmm. So they're all about gaining this spiritual knowledge. And that knowledge is the special revealed knowledge, right? Right. That's okay. Right, you yeah, you, you have to be special revelation to you, yeah. or or you you have to really have good discernment to discern it. Uh, you have to really dig to learn it. You know that it's just not given out to anybody, mm-hmm. right? So it's just kind of an elitism there, right? Comes right. In. Okay. Right. <clears throat> so these eons having been produced for the glory of the Father and wishing by their own efforts to affect this object, sent forth emanations. Emanations are um, uh, revealings, right? right. If you see an emanation, it's Mm -hmm. something revealing itself to you. Uh, Emanations by means of conjunction, by joining together for for what they're doing. So Logos, word, and Zoe, female, after producing Anthropos, man, and Ecclesia, uh, mankind, in essence, or community, sent forth other ten eons whose names are the following. Mm. <laughs> I tried looking these up, and not all of them, I couldn't find the meanings of all of them, mm. but the ones I can't figure out, or I'll tell you what they are. Bythius and Mixus, Ag- Agaritas and Hinosis, Autophenes and Hedon, hmm. Asinitas and Syncrasis, Monogenes, obviously unique in category, hmm. and Macaria. These are the ten eons 
whom they declare to have been produced by Logos, a word, and okay. Zoe, female. Hmm. Right? The, they, so they, you know, the Logos, the word, impregnated Zoe, apparently. <laughs> right. They then add that Anthropos himself, we would call that Adam, along with Ecclesia, the, the descendants of Adam, produce 12 eons to whom they give the following names. This is going to be very interesting. Paracletus. Paracletus. And Pistis. Pistis, I know that word because that comes from the Greek New Testament. It means faith. Hmm. Believe, believe or faith, it's translated both faith and belief. Okay. Or believe. Uh, Pat- uh, Patrikos and Ilpus, Matrikos, and Agape, love. Love, yep. Enos and Synesis, Ecclesiasticus, <laughs> and Macariates, Delatos, and Sophia. Delatos, mm. that's who they call Jesus Christ. Mm. Sophia, wisdom. Okay. Sophia means wisdom. <clears throat> so, what we call the Son of God. Jesus Christ, in their religion, in the Gnostic religion, is Thelatos. One of the eons that was produced by the Logos and female. Hmm. So when they're talking about Mary being the the Virgin Mary, the Logos, or the Word, impregnated female, Mary. Hmm. Okay. And, and now that's different because in Christianity, the word is Christ. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Was God right. And then in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among men, and we beheld his glory as of the, the, glo- the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Mm-hmm. That's Jesus Christ. They're separating the word from Jesus Christ. They're putting the word as being the father of Jesus Christ, having produced him. Mm. And so they see Jesus Christ as a created being that is one of the eons of the Gnostic gods. Mm. Next next part. Such are the 30 eons in the erroneous system of these men. So there's 30 eons that are named off. Jesus Christ being one of the 30. Whew. And his name is Delatos in this, in this religion. Yeah, yeah. Second century heresy. This is the second century heresy that these Christians, uh, that, that, you know, Arrhenius yeah. and uh, uh, I forgot the name of the other one over here. Um, uh. Uh, Oh, I can't remember anyway. Uh, it's not on there. <laughs> anyway, the uh, the, the these, Tertullian, Tertullian, Tertullian. Yeah. yeah, the the early Christians were fighting against this heresy that was infiltrating the church. Hmm. This is what was infiltrating the church, folks. And they're very very slick in how they slide it in there, because they use Christian language. They'll say the Father. They'll say Jesus Christ. Right. They'll say. Spirit, right? 
but they don't mean the same thing we meant. Mean it's right. So they use the, the the name. I mean the the, the I, I guess I'll say typical in Christianity, the name the but the definitions. It's what right will get them to the heretical status <laughs> or they they say enough to cause confusion in people to where they're like uh unless you're you know you understand the scriptures and what these heresies are then you'll be able to add no you're wrong wait a minute right you you can't recognize it the christian and, lingo that's what i meant to say yeah. With, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You can't yeah. recognize it and guard yourself against it if you don't understand it. Right. And that's why we're, we're doing the podcast on this subject. We're trying to help people. Now, I'm going to go into, into the, the book, The Gnostics, in a moment. But let me finish this out real quick. So, <clears throat> such are the 30 eons in the erroneous system of these men. And they are described as being wrapped up, so to speak, in silence, which is um, sig, right? Silence mm-hmm. is sig. Right. Uh, and known to none, <clears throat> except those professing teachers. So it's a secret knowledge, and only the, the special people get it. Moreover, they declare that this invisible and spiritual pleroma, or pleroma meaning, as you recall, meaning uh, the completeness, mm-hmm. and that has to do with uh, the completeness of spirit and so forth. Yeah. Uh, the pleroma of theirs is... Uh, tripartite. 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 Got the word right. A tri meaning three, right? Being divided into ogdod and decod and dudecod. I butchered Mm. those, I'm sure. (laughs) And for this reason, they affirm it was that the Savior... For they do not please to call him Lord, did not work in public during the space of 30 years, thus setting forth the mystery of these eons. They maintain also that these 30 eons are most plainly indicated in the parable of the laborers sent out into the vineyard. It's the parable of the vineyard, right? Where they're sent out to work in the vineyard. Yeah. For some are sent about the first hour, others about the third hour, others about the sixth hour, and others about the ninth hour, and others about the eleventh hour. And this is one where Jesus paid them all the same amount, mm-hmm. and somebody came and complained. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They didn't like capitalism. Anyway, <laughs> now, if we add up n- the numbers of the hours here mentioned, the sum total will be 30. So 4 and 30 are two big numbers yeah, in Gnosticism. Yeah. Uh, for 1, 3, 6, 9, and 11, when added together, form 30. And by the hours they hold that the eons were pointed out, while they maintain that these are great and wonderful and hitherto unspeakable mysteries, which it is their special function to develop, and so they proceed when they find anything in the multitude of things contained in the scripture uh, which they can adopt and accommodate to their baseless speculations. Mm. By the way, Gnostics don't like the Bible according to the Christian interpretation of it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I'm not big on that. 
All right, now let me <clears throat> go into the Gnostics and see if we can help help to clear some of this up. This book does a pretty good job of explaining it. So, I'll just start here. It's talking about myths. Now, he goes on later to explain that that these this all these eons they're they're um, they're metaphorical. Okay. In essence, in Gnosticism, so they make up this whole story to explain their Gnostic system of spirituality. All right. Now, the only problem that the Gnos- the only problem that the Gnostics had with the Bible was they didn't agree with it. <laughs> Yet their disagreement led neither to a search for some other source of myth nor to a simple rejection of God or religion, but to a creative engagement with the Hebrew myths. The Gnostics turned the Bible on its head, and they made biblical heroes into tools of the evil Demiurge. Demiurge being evil side of Gnosticism. They made obscure characteristics into redeemers of humanity, and they made God, the Jewish and Christian deity, into a demon. It's Gnosticism. Yeah. Now, yet the Bible was only one aspect of the cultural background of the Gnostics. They were influenced equally by Plato. Hmm. But they didn't accept Plato's philosophy lying down any more than they did the Bible. Plato made good use of myth himself, and the metaphysical aspects of his philosophy were often expressed elusively and poetically leaving plenty of scope for interpretation and expansion. In the 3rd century, Platonus, the leading uh, Neoplatonist, argued against the Gnostics' adaptation of Plato's philosophy, and in particular against their perceived denigration of the material world. Gnostics believed that anything material is evil. But he recognized that the Gnostics were competitors to Platonist as much as they were to Christians. Mm-hmm. The Gnostic myths represent a meeting of the Hebrew Bible and Platonism and a response to the international Hellenistic culture. Hellenistic meaning the, the, uh, the early Jewish cabal type of uh, yeah, right. you know, stuff. Uh, you know. Anyway, but they are something more than that too. They are a new creation. It is common enough for scholars of Gnosticism to refer to the Gnostic myth, the central myth of a fall from the spiritual realm that results in the existence of the ignorant creator God who makes this world. Now, they're saying that uh, one of the eons went south and uh, kind of, kind of uh, went into a rebellion against Nos, I think it was, hmm. and, and created, the, uh, created the physical world. And that was a bad thing, according to Gnosticism. So that just kind of explained that part of it. Uh, so God who makes this world, the subsequent plight of humanity and the attempts of the spiritual world to enable humans to regain their birthright. <clears throat> and it is tempting to, re- to reconstruct an original from which all the later varieties of the Gnostic myth develop. Some of the earliest Gnostic or semi-Gnostic teachers like Satronilos and Basilides 
had myths that lacked some of the features of what we might call full-blown Gnosticism, but in truth there was never any ideal form of the myth that was later corrupted or splintered into many forms, never any fundamental expression of an er myth. Gnostics were too creative and independent for that. Now the one that uh, Arrhenius is attacking is the Valtinius version of Gnosticism. Okay. The variety and diversity of the Gnostic myths show that Gnostics were expected to develop their own personal understandings and to elaborate, reimagine, or alter the myths whenever possible. So this is what allows a modern-day Gnostic to uh, reinterpret eons into extraterrestrials. So there's flexibility there. There are thus many treatments of the Gnostic myths. Some accounts focus on the mythical history of mankind, some on the grand cosmology that initiates the story. Cosmology is the study of the universe as it is. Cosmology is the study of the creation of the universe. Some accounts forces, <clears throat> I'm sorry, some accounts focus on the fall, which is not the fall of Adam and Eve in the usual interpretation of Genesis, but the fall of Sophia. Now, Sophia, remember, was wisdom. Mm -hmm. uh, wisdom was created by ultimately Nas. Uh, it, uh, Sophia was a, a product of, uh, as I recall, uh, Zoe and uh, Zogos. Logos and Logos, Zoe created right. Sophia, wisdom. Well, wisdom kind of went south and created the, created the universe, right? So God Almighty, the Father, that as we know him, didn't create the universe. Sophia created the universe. Yeah. Wisdom did. <laughs> <sighs> on how we and the world came to be as we are, others on the possibility of liberation and redemption. Now, their understanding of redemption is completely different mm -hmm. than the Christian redemption. In some myths, such as the exegesis on the soul and the hymn of the pearl, the soul is the main character, and the story is told without much of a cosmological framework. The Gnostic myth may be said to have four stages. Remember, four is big in Gnosticism. Yeah. Firstly, there is the production of the pleroma, or the completeness, the divine realm of spiritual fullness, right? And then the emanation of the various eons that inhabit it. Next, we have the fall of Sophia, the youngest of the eons. Then the birth of the Demiurge and the creation of the material world. So Demiurge and creation of the material world are locked in together as evil. Hmm. And lastly, the story of humanity, the creation and development of mankind and the redeemers and revealers who brought gnosis or knowledge to the world to help the trap seeds of light to escape. Humans being the trap seeds yeah. of light. And so gnosis or knowledge is salvation, not the sacrifice of Christ on the cross mm -hmm. in Gnosticism. Yeah. Uh, they abhor the sacrifice of Christ, they abhor the animal sacrifices because they believe that that is abhorrent behavior. That's, that's mm -hmm. a blood sacrifice cult to them. Hmm. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's bad to kill people or animals because it's, you know, it's a blood sacrifice. Yeah, it's right. a bloody sacrifice. Right, right. I think we can uh, do a part two on this if you want. 
Yeah. This Let's do that. This is good stuff. I like it yeah. because it's like an cool. intro to what the old school, the OG, the old school, <laughs> the old uh, Gnostics right. were about and how reading some of the original material, yeah, original material right. from 2nd century, 1st or 2nd century, right. uh, and telling us that they were already dealing with these, uh, with right. this heresy. Right. And then I think we should do a second one where we can probably look into today. Yes. How are we seeing Gnosticism around? How, because how, how are we seeing it today? How yeah. are we seeing it today? Because some of it is full-blown, you know, heretical, cult-like. Right. Some of it is mixed up, messed up theology. God told me. Right? Sure. We can highlight some warning signs. So warning signs, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. use scripture to, you right. know, basically say this is how we deal with these things. Yeah. Yeah. But good yeah. stuff. I like I like yeah, it. Because uh, like in the Luciferian tradition, um, like I said, they have a different view of origins than we do or as right. far as as far as the the incident in the garden was not the fall of mankind in Luciferian, or, e- or even in Gnosticism. Uh, it was the liberation of mankind. Yeah. Now that's, that's a, a mind one. blower for that's Christians. A big one. Yeah, it's a mind blower for Christians, right? Because that's that's the opposite of how we think, mm-hmm. right? So that's why it's hard for us to grasp some of these cultic um, belief systems yeah. because uh, they have such a different. Thought process. Yeah, and a lot of times they use this, the usage of language, how they interpret it, how right. they go about, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. how they go about, I, and I call it abuse of the definition, you know, just because right. they want to loosely apply it to how they believe, you know, uh, that the scripture should be understood or how, right. like you said, that knowledge is salvation compared to, no, it's. You know the price that Christ crucified, that burial resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know right. that it completed it. Um, so yeah, let's do that, my brother. Okay. And folks, be encouraged. I know it sounds heavy because it, you know the brain reads books that really look into these things. I mean, he goes back all the way to original writers and you know looks at throughout history and how he views it today with what's going on in our world. Uh, uh, so praise the Lord that He can bless us like that. I know some of these words can be tricky and they're hard. Man, they're hard. Yeah. yeah, they are hard. I'm even sitting here I, as you were going through some of the words. I'm like, man, I never even heard of that word. Like, what? Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah. but it's a blessing to know that, hey, you know what? Although they're hard words to understand, to even pronounce, but at the same time, it's no different than what we see today. Right. You know, they're just not called those things. <laughs> right, it's called different today, but it's yeah. the same principles and concepts. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Good stuff, my brother. Yeah. So, folks, be, uh, hope you enjoy this one and be on the lookout for a part two. We'll do it, brother. Mm-hmm. All right. Other than that, if you have nothing else, brother, close us out. Well, thanks for joining us, folks. And uh, don't forget to promote the podcast. Don't forget to tell Amen. others about it. If it's just been a blessing to you and you think it would be a blessing to others, then go ahead and uh, mention it to other people and then spread the word. And Word of mouth is one of the best ways to build something like oh, this. Oh, yeah. So at any rate, remember to keep your mind sharp and your heart pure. And uh, we'll see you next podcast. And before I say it, it's thevortexapologetic.com. Go check it out, and we'll catch you on the flip side.
You have been listening to the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. We want to thank you for tuning in to listen to the Vortex Apologetic Podcast. It's a blessing to have you. We hope that you continue to enjoy the future episodes and to tune in and share away with others that might be interested. Uh, I wanted to thank our families for supporting us, especially our wives that uh, they put up with us. They allow us to have time to study and spend time uh, in the Word of God. And uh, in return, they help us as well and they keep us accountable. It's a blessing to have them in our lives. So we want to especially thank them. I also want to thank uh, our church, uh, friends, and uh, the men's study that we have that we continue to be encouraged about. Thank all these people because they support us and pray for us, and uh, it's a blessing to have in our life. Other than that, I hope you continue to enjoy the Vortex Apologetic podcast. That we will talk to you soon. More episodes to come your way. Other than that, I'm out. We're out. God bless you. 